on today's Compassion Radio. Any government office that you went into could be one of three things. Either you could be facing a religious fanatic or a moderate or a person who is uh, very progressive. I think it's the same in Pakistan, more or less. It was hopeful that the people we talked with were very much interested in dialoguing on the issues that we brought up because where do you go from here? And I said, I'm afraid the Afghanistan war is not over. And the member of parliament said to me, no, we think it's just beginning. Hello and welcome back to part three of a special Compassion Radio series, reporting from the front lines of faith. Thanks for lending your ears to us for the next 26 minutes. I think you'll find it time well spent. Why? Because you'll get an insider's look at peacemaking and gospel action that's going on right now in some of the places most don't believe is even possible. Our travel guide for this journey is Dr. James Jennings, President of Conscience International, truly a relief and medical intervention agency at the very bleeding edge of crisis and opportunity. And frankly, when you're out there as far as Jim goes, crisis and opportunity are pretty much the same thing. That's a reality brought powerfully home by recent events in Ukraine. Jim and I were on hand last week to see for ourselves how the church and people of conscience are responding. Soon we'll be telling you very personal stories from that trip. Today is part three of a discussion I had with Dr. Jennings soon after the collapse of the Afghan government and the earliest days of humanitarian response there. It'll be very helpful in imagining a positive future for Ukraine. Thanks for joining us today. Well, I advocate uh, that we don't shy away from the difficult questions, the issues that need to be fronted and discussed. So therefore, if you're going to have peace by interaction with the person who is different from you are, then you have to sit and talk with them. So that's what we advocate. When it comes to Islam and Christianity, there's a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. One is the history, another is the theology, another is the path forward. How do we, since we live in different parts of the world usually, we can't expect to transform all of it to our own image. We have to accommodate to the culture of other religions and races and uh, nations. Now, it's very interesting that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. And when Christians have tried to make the kingdom of this world, I know that it was Pope Textus in uh, what 1528 or 1538 that set up a papal bull that told the king and queen of Spain, Ferdinand and Isabella, that they were permitted to endorse the efforts to chase down and punish heresy. Mm -hmm. So it turned out that when the kingdom of Spain, under Ferdinand and Isabella, agreed to endorse the church's efforts to rid itself of heresy, it turned uh, what was a religious issue, mainly, into a political weapon, which they used to destroy their adversaries, their political adversaries, not the religious ones. And the result was the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. That went on for almost 300 years before it, it ended. It started in 1478, ended in 1834, 150,000 people persecuted. And you may remember the Monty Python show yes. that, <laughs> that made fun of the Spanish Inquisition. It was funny as it could be, but it wasn't funny 
to the people who were tortured on the rack yeah. or burned at the stake. And it was also the moral foundation upon which the ethic of purging the new world of any false religions was justified. So when the conquistadors came over, they didn't just topple governments and then establish colonies and try to improve the status of those who were living there and therefore mutually exploit and encourage each other. There was just a, a general attitude of they must be destroyed. Anybody who doesn't bow to our God is obviously bowing to Satan and therefore is not worth living. And that attitude went on for hundreds of years as well. And my guess is it comes from the same root, when faith becomes political. Exactly. You may be referring to the movie The Mission, which mm. is an amazing description or depiction of that particular process. Yeah. And it was very brutal against the Indians who were tortured and killed and slaughtered in the New World. So Christianity has failed when it becomes political. If you look at the wars of religion in Europe, it went on for 100 years, and nothing could have been worse. Yeah. Our best often we don't become political, but it's kind of a sore subject to bring up right now for Americans, because those who are most religious happen to be feeling the effects of being in power, and the temptations are pretty strong. And yet we encounter that temptation a lot throughout history. Israel knew about it, too, and when they turned to political or secular salvation, they lost pretty much everything, time after time. And we didn't quite learn from that lesson. It's not to say that I'm expecting all of America to fall or something. I, I'm not. I think America's going to come through this storm just fine, as tough as it is. We're all going to get through the pandemic eventually here, and we're going to reboot. But we have a whole lot of resources from which to reboot. The rest of the world is not quite that full in the pockets. They don't have the resources ready for it. When it comes to Muslim-Christian relations, as I said, there's a lot to discuss and to talk about. One is that Islam teaches that the religion should really be co-equal with the government. Mm -hmm. that is, and there have been many efforts over 14 centuries to make the perfect Islamic state, which hasn't been found yet. But the early era, right after the death of Muhammad, was considered ideal, mm -hmm. what they called the rightly guided caliphs, or the Rashidun. But since that time, others' uh, governments and polities have been more or less successful and some less. And there's been great turmoil and many different points of view. So I think one of the questions that Muslims and Christians could discuss is what exactly constitutes an Islamic state. And if that were discussed, I think it might bring some light to the situation that uh, they're facing in Pakistan. Important point. Because most of what I hear about the intelligence services in Pakistan, which seem to be world-class, they have incredible tracking capabilities, and they know a whole lot about the people that matter to them. It's very much a secular power hiding within the government structures, and it's kind of like a secret society within Pakistan. And they will be there long after those prime ministers and other parliamentarians have either died off or gotten out of office or been assassinated. I mean, they're going to be there. But they also have many people who are passionately religious that are within their ranks. But it's really a cabal. It's not a religion itself. And I suppose in many countries they have the same problem. This dichotomy or this syncretism of a hyper-secular state or apparatus mixing or mingling with people that are very, very devout. Do you see that being the situation in the years to come that's going to always be that way? Or do you see some breakthroughs happening? Uh, I don't see a change right now. I know that in Iran, uh, where we spent a great deal of time working there, that any government office that you went into could be one of three things. Either you could be facing across the desk a religious fanatic, 
or a moderate or a person who was uh, very progressive and wanted to change in the direction of modernity. I think it's the same in Pakistan, uh, more or less. But I think it was hopeful that the people we talked with were very much interested in dialoguing on the issues that we brought up, because where do you go from here? And I, I said, I'm afraid the Afghanistan war is not over. Mm-hmm. And the member of parliament said to me, no, we think it's just beginning. Yeah. And I think that Pakistan is determined that they're going to win that war. Well, they have to because yeah. of where they are, yes. So we've covered a couple of big areas, the basic humanitarian situation along Pakistan-Afghanistan, how it fits in with some bigger conflict issues between Muslim and Christian worldviews, and now we have to look at what's ahead. I do want to talk about the way you think, Dr. Jennings, that Christians should be thinking and praying about the Muslim world and our interaction as a nation-state with them, but also how do we, as you mentioned earlier, a kingdom that's not of this world, the people that are faithful to their God, faithful to their Savior, Jesus Christ, in the Christian church, how do they need to be reframing the current world events in a way that would put it in context to God's sweep of history, his plan, the revelation that is our scripture? I'm not talking about an eschatology, about a great battle at the end to make everything right by warfare. I'm talking about the real nitty-gritty of how do we think about those who are of a different persuasion or religion or nationality or language, and how do we live our lives, and how do we pray for those who are not like us so that we can keep inching our way toward the thing that God said he will build through us on this planet? It's very simple. Uh, If you read the New Testament and you listen to the Sermon on the Mount, and you think through the issues that we are facing today, the answer is very simple. Love thy neighbor. Mm. And all of these people who live in the Middle East are our neighbors. You know, when I first started out many years ago, going into the Arab world, learning Arabic, doing archaeological work in Egypt and Palestine and Jordan and Iraq, all those areas, the people I discovered are very warm and loving human beings. Yeah. They are politicized easily, and they become fanatical when they can be threatened. But don't threaten them. Show them your sincerity and your love. You'll find that you can change events and change outcomes by doing what the New Testament prescribes that we should do in the first place. So what I I find difficult is people that do not know anything about their neighbors, but objectify them and hate them because they are of a different race or religion. And that's not the way the New Testament approaches things, and it's not the way that uh, Jesus Christ came to earth on a mission, taught us. Well, you've made a decision yourself with Conscious International to engage the problems as God brings them to your attention and your capacity to deal with them, or at least to address them. So instead of sending money for building some kind of political system or arming a certain people group, you send over dangerous things like scalpels and syringes, and doctors, and relief workers, and people who can work their way through a work site and build... And life-saving antibiotics. And antibiotics, and other things that are administered to the future health of a population by preventing diseases. Things like that are the choices you've made. So tell me about, if you could boil it down, doctor, to the most important thing that Conscious International has done in the past 30 years you've been involved doing this, what is it? Uh, I really think it has been demonstrating the power of love and the power of the gospel 
to exemplify uh, the good news by what our hands and our feet can deliver. Mm. So you're showing the way. Friends, as I mentioned at the top of the program, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Like a laser. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west, away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Here's the good news. A generous donor has covered our expenses for a while so that every gift coming in right now can go to buying the supplies that are needed. So please, give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. Bless you, friends, for your brave and activist faith. And now, back to the interview. The power of love and the power of the gospel to exemplify uh, the good news by what our hands and our feet can deliver. Mm. So you're showing the way. Do you think you're going to be able to make some serious headway in 2022? Well, I think it depends on whether or not the people who are listening to your broadcast have ears to hear. Mm -hmm. That is, if they become so concerned about the issues that they decide to be engaged, to get engaged in the world, and to do what they can. We can't do everything. When you mentioned the starfish, uh, the story is a lady on the beach found many and threw them in one by one. And someone said, well, that's not going to help very much. Well, the lady said, to that one, it makes a difference. Yeah. Well, Dr. Jennings of Conscious International, you've led us through, through the heart, to the real situation that we face. We have a battle to face ourselves, and that is our willingness to engage. There's a huge amount of emotional and physical fatigue that we've all been through facing our own struggle with the pandemic with the arguments and the disruptions and the societal incoherency that's been the result of people arguing over this issue for the past two years in our own country. But it's not the only conflict in the world. And as you've brought to light, there are many countries that are far worse off in the face of conflicts than we are. It is up to the kingdom of God, the people that are faithful believers and followers of Jesus in every country, to take the lead here and show the way. So what is your encouragement to believers in the year 2022, not just to uh, reset their own compass or hit the odometer button and say, okay, we're going to start a new journey here. What is it you would want the Christian church to do at this point so that they would know they're on God's wavelength? I am very concerned, and I think every member of a church in America should be concerned about the young people in high school and college. Uh, I read the statistic today that 25% of males in college are severely depressed mm. in the university. 
And for young women, it's far higher than 25%, something like 35 or more percent. That's an alarming statistic. The suicide rate for those young people who are facing all of these complications because of the pandemic and the shutdown and the economic situation and the jobs, all of this is so concerning that if you're really concerned about it, it seems that the best thing to do would be adopt a young person for this year and mentor them. And also, what I recommend to people is don't just sit there, do something. And by doing something, putting one foot in front of the other to help another in your own city, in the ghetto, in the jails, or at church, or wherever it might be, certainly you could help people abroad. You don't realize how much you could help people abroad unless you would look into the situation. There are many agencies like ours, Conscience International, that are doing that, and we need your help. So I think people could determine to get engaged and make a difference for themselves as well as for the people they reach. By the end of this month, too, Doctor, we'll have worked our way through the particulars so that you and I can get serious about helping people to engage in those international issues directly. So we're in the process of working that ourselves right now. But what you've recommended here is something that's very close to home. And we always talk about the Jerusalem, Judea, the outer parts of the world, and everything else in between. There are different spheres of influence and reach that we have And it should be truly in this generation at a place where we are six degrees of separation from every human being on the planet. They've pretty much proved that statistically that's true. There is going to be somebody that we have touch with that has their hand on or a relationship with somebody that will touch somebody that will touch somebody that will get us to the very ends of the planet. And that's only six layers deep. So you're right. Our neighbor is literally next door, and that next door happens to be places like Afghanistan now, not just the next town over that we grew up with or grew up in. So I would double down on that. I would say, friends, as you're hearing Dr. Jennings talk about the reality of the spiritual crisis happening within our own young people and the isolation that's happened because of the pandemic and the disruptions of normal social groups, social engagement that so many depend upon to feel like they have a life of meaning and can't deal with isolation or with solitude. They've never been taught how. That is probably the front line we've got for us right where we live. Ask your pastors. Ask the chaplains at colleges. Talk to somebody about those who might need someone to step up, be part of, to join in, to get to know, and to step out from where you are, even in your own town, maybe across to another part of town you've never even talked to. There are a zillion ways to start. And if you need to start communicating and getting ideas, email us. We'll get you in touch with people. Info at CompassionRadio.com is a great way to start. And if you've got a question for Dr. Jennings, we're happy to forward those things along about his work in all these different places. We've talked about Pakistan and Afghanistan today, and we mentioned Haiti in an earlier program. But there are a number of countries around the world where you are engaged. And we'll make sure that in this program's podcast notes that your website and further information about the projects and your trips recently will be highlighted as well. Bram, the reason we named Conscience International as we did because uh, conscience is action, Mm. is knowledge in action, because that's what the word in Latin means, Mm. knowledge in action. So conscience adds meaning to our lives and elevates our spirits, increases our sense of self-worth. It involves us in activities of great significance. It makes a difference in the lives of others, and it distinguishes us in society and fulfills our moral duty as well. And so in that way, we can all maximize our purpose in life by practicing conscientious action 
And that expanded means that it has an effect on the entire world, as you were just saying. And if we have a living faith, like James talks about in his own book in the Bible, it's going to be something that is proactive. I mean, faith that does something, it has a conscience that's going to do something about those things that are unconscionable that go on around us and refuses to shirk that responsibility or to hide away or crawl under a rock while the rest of the world suffers. Real conscience, a conscience that is born by truth, and I believe that truth comes from the heart of God. In that truth, and they operate from that truth, they are going to say yes when God says, who will go? Who will send? Who will make possible the things that I want to see happen in this place and that place and this people group and this country? When God's people start saying yes more often, I think a lot of stuff gets done. So I thank you so much, Dr. Jennings, for being one of those people that for generations now has said yes, and that God is honored by giving you incredible responsibility and authority to speak the truth and go places and build bridges and make peace where many people would never think it was possible. We'll talk more about the progress in these things, but I want to let the last word be yours. Give us a farewell on this one, the last word as we start going into 2022. Well, I just want to say, Bram, thank you for your voice and for what it has meant to me. And it seems that if you just act conscientiously, you can actually accomplish more in life. It's the fabric of our lives. You can be acting on the promptings of conscience is about you and me. It's about our individual lives, our mutual relationships with each other. And then it has to be, by extension, about our world and our past and our future together. May we have a future together. And I would love to see Christians not afraid anymore of engaging with those who may never choose to be like us. And still, because we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we can love on them and they would never mistake our presence for God hating them or our God not being accessible or loving. That they would see in our eyes, in our face, in our smiles, that we worship a God of love and a God of real generosity. That's the thing I would love to see spill out of us in the years to come. Dr. Jennings, one more thing I want to ask you before we close the program today is about the Abrahamic Covenant. It's something that is foundational to you and your understanding of God's intention for mankind. And it's not just about this linear thing from Jewish into Christianity. You believe that it has real power and moral authority to engage many other people groups, especially those of the Islamic faith. So tell me how they're related. Well, all of this comes from Abraham, in fact, and uh, both Muslims and Jews are descended. Ishmaelites are descended, the ancestor of the Arabs, and they descended from Abraham. And Isaac was the promised seed would come through Isaac. And so many Christians think that that promised seed means Israel, Jews, and it actually doesn't. In the New Testament, St. Hmm. Paul says very clearly that seed means one thing, and that is that Christ was the seed of Abraham. Hmm. So the promise that the knowledge of the Lord would reach all the earth through Abraham's descendants is actually coming true. If we could see the forest for the trees, we would understand that. There's nothing really partisan about the Abrahamic covenant. Hmm. So that actually broadens or covers everything that we talked about, about Muslim-Christian dialogue or interaction. Yeah, if you can see them as your cousins and the family you never knew, it's a whole different start to the conversation. All right. That's a great word on that one. Thank you very much for that. Thank you so much for being a vanguard in that, my friend. 
And we'll talk more about these countries and what's happening with those projects we just mentioned. Girls' school in northern parts of Pakistan, right along the border with Afghanistan. Relief projects going to villages where no one else is reaching them. And the development of a Christian culture and ethic within a greater culture that seems to be antagonistic towards Christianity. That still, even when they're attacked emotionally, politically, or even physically, respond with the spiritual authority of Jesus and his forgiveness. I want to see us be able to tell more of those stories. And thank you for being our eyes and ears on the ground in places like Pakistan, Afghanistan, Haiti, South America, throughout all the Middle East. Bless you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Bram. Well, I think by now you understand why we love having Dr. Jennings on the program so much. There are not many people who have gone to the lengths he has to live out the gospel in such practical and biblical ways. His hand-selected team members do some amazing work in the world's most difficult places. I've seen it for myself. From the refugee camps in Pakistan, Greece, and Uganda, to the front lines in Syria and Iraq, in villages flattened by earthquakes and floods throughout the Americas, the medical professionals and engineers of Conscience International are fighting way above their weight class. We're very honored to call them friends and partners. You can learn more about their work at ConscienceInternational.org. There's no doubt that trying times bring out the best and the worst in mankind. I pray that God will bring out the very best of Him in you today. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today, and it will be doubled with a matching grant. The toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. You can mail Compassion Radio at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. And we're online 24-7 at CompassionRadio.com. Don't wait, friends. Join us online to find out how you can be involved with this unique and timely ministry. If you missed anything on today's program, of course, the podcast is always available online at CompassionRadio.com. So check that out, too. I'm Bram Floria. Thanks so much, and we'll see you tomorrow.